This is the Bible in One Year Express, day 180. How to plan your life. Almost everyone makes plans. We make plans about how to spend our evenings, our weekends or our holidays. Some people plan how many children they're going to have. They make plans for their education. We need to plan our finances and our giving. Individuals have plans. Businesses have plans. Churches should have plans. I love these pages in my own Bible in one year. In June 1992, alongside the verse, Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. I wrote the plans we had for 92-93. God bless these plans more than we could have ever asked or even imagined. Every year thereafter, I've written down the plans for the year ahead. I find it so encouraging and faith-building to look back at how much the Lord has done for us over the years. It's so easy to forget His kindness and faithfulness. From Proverbs 15 and 16 Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honour. To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. Our plans. We do not always get it right, certainly I do not. But it's not wrong to make plans. Indeed, it's good to plan ahead. As has been pointed out, it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. The writer of Proverbs says, To human beings belong the plans of the heart. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Here we see the key to success. Your plans should never be made independently of the Lord. You're called into relationship with Him. Your plans need to be aligned with His plans. Your vision and your plans need to be led by the Spirit. As you sense God's leading, commit your plans to the Lord. Bring them to Him. Lay them before Him. Then God promises, your plans will succeed. What does it mean to commit to the Lord whatever you do? First, cooperate. One translation of the Hebrew word for commit is to roll towards. There are two ways to go through life. One is to decide that we are perfectly capable of running our own lives without God. We make plans independently of God to please ourselves. This is the way of pride and independence. The proud cannot be told anything because they think they already know. The other is to be willing to lay aside your own desires. This is the way of faith and humility. Humility comes before honour. God has good plans for your life. Cooperate humbly with Him, being willing to give up everything that clashes with His purpose for you. Second, confide. To commit your plans to the Lord means to speak to Him about your plans, to make plans together with Him. At the start of each day, you can commit your plans to Him. I find the holidays are a good time to plan ahead and commit the months or even the year ahead to God. 
I remember hearing the actor David Suchet, when he had recently become a Christian, being asked on the radio whether there were certain roles he would turn down. He replied, That's a very difficult question. All I can say is now, when I'm offered a part, I go away and pray about it, and if I feel it's wrong, I turn it down. Whereas before, it would have been, How much? Third, consult. The Lord says, Woe to those who carry out plans that are not mine, who go down to Egypt without consulting me. To commit to the Lord means to consult him and discuss your plans with him and seek his wisdom and advice. With major decisions, a wise person will consult others to check that they've accurately heard from the Lord. Having committed your plans to the Lord, you can trust his promise of success. God is sovereign over your plans. Mortals make elaborate plans, but God has the last word. In your heart, you may plan your course, but the Lord determines your steps. God gives you the freedom and responsibility to make plans. It is positively right for you to do this, and yet God relates your decisions to your destination. This is not a reason to be passive or fatalistic, but rather it's an encouragement that you can rest assured that God is in ultimate control of your life. You need not be frozen in a state of indecision. You can trust that God will work out everything for good for those who love him. Lord, I praise and thank you for the amazing way in which you bless the plans I commit to you. This year, I want to commit to you all my plans for the future. New Testament from Acts 19 After this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I had been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together along with the workers in related trades and said, You know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray a large number of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There is a danger, not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited, and the goddess herself will be robbed of her divine majesty. Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. The city clerk quietened the crowd and said, Fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image, which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and not do anything rash. You've brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are proconsuls, they can press charges. If there's anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we're in danger of being charged with rioting because of what happened today. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion, since there is no reason for it. After he'd said this, he dismissed the assembly. 
Paul's plans. Paul was a strategic thinker. He made careful plans. After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I'd been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia, while he stayed in the province of Asia a little longer. Paul's vision, mission and plans revolved around the evangelization of the whole known world. His strategy focused on cities, Jerusalem, Rome, Corinth and Ephesus. He spent a great deal of time in these cities, preaching the gospel to as many people as possible, whether in the synagogues or in the lecture halls. He was not unopposed. Interestingly, in Ephesus, the opposition was not doctrinal or ethical, but economic. Demetrius thought he might lose money as a result of Paul's preaching, so he stirred up opposition. But God also had a plan. Another proverb for today tells us that the Lord works out everything for his own ends. In this instance, God worked through the city clerk. Even though he didn't seem to believe in God, his actions still stopped the riots. God often works through those who are not believers to achieve his plans. Lord, thank you for the example of Paul's planning, strategy and courage in the face of great opposition. Thank you that you work out everything for your own ends. Please guide me in all my plans. Help me to be strategic and courageous. Old Testament from 1 Kings 22 For three years there was no war between Aram and Israel, but in the third year Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went down to see the king of Israel. The king of Israel had said to his officials, Don't you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us, and yet we're doing nothing to retake it from the king of Aram? So he asked Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight against Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, First, seek the counsel of the Lord. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, Bring Micaiah, son of Imlah, at once. The messenger, who'd gone to summon Micaiah, said to him, Look, the other prophets, without exception, are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. God's plans. It's not a good idea to try and outwit God. This was Ahab's problem. He tried to manipulate people and events in order to defeat God's plans. Jehoshaphat wisely told him that before going to war with Aram, he should seek the Lord's counsel. Before you do anything, ask God for guidance. This is another example of the vital principle. If you want your plans to succeed, you need to ask God for his guidance in making your plans. The 400 puppet prophets may have been state-employed parrots who simply did what they were paid to do, that is, say whatever the king wanted them to say. However, Jehoshaphat knows that this is not genuine prophecy and asks, Is there not a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? The king replies, There is still one through whom we can inquire of the Lord. But I hate him, because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He's Micaiah, son of Imla. Micaiah, who is a genuine prophet, speaks the word of the Lord to them. 
whereas the 400 prophets put forward the popular view. Micaiah was the only one who in fact knew the mind of the Lord. We must not be swayed by popular opinion if it does not come from the Lord. The fact that we may be outnumbered is not conclusive. Micaiah is courageous enough to speak truth to power. As surely as God lives, what God says, I'll say. He warns them of the danger of going against God's plans. For his troubles, he's put in prison on nothing but bread and water. Ahab is determined not to listen to the voice of God. He continues his manipulation. He thinks he can outwit God by disguising himself. But as we have read, the Lord works out everything for his own ends. We see this principle at work as someone drew his bow at random and hit the king of Israel between the sections of his armour. The king died and dogs licked up his blood as the word of the Lord had declared. Lord, thank you that you are the sovereign Lord and that you control the events of history. Forgive me, Lord, for the times that I have perhaps known I'm on the wrong path but tried to manipulate events. Help me always to stay in line with your plans. May my plans be your plans, and may these plans succeed. Pepper adds, Proverbs 16, verse 2, People think their ways are innocent, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Our motives can be a little mixed at times.